One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their Social Index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Alan. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Kim Wickstrom, Chief Marketing Officer at One Main Financial. Kim's responsible for the development and execution of the brand marketing at One Main Financial, and he's successfully launched a new brand campaign called Lending Done Human. And we get into that campaign, the success that he's seen, and you know the spark, if you will, or how that campaign came about to begin with. We also touch on his prior career, starting in advertising and working with some iconic brands like Apple and Absolute Vodka. And we end, as usual, with getting to know Kim more on a personal level, his Swedish background, growing up in West Africa. You're not going to want to miss this episode with Kim Wigstrom. Well, Kim, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Alan. Pleasure to be here. We've got a lot to talk about, but I thought we could start with your background and where you started your career and kind of any twists or turns along the way? Sure. Yeah, I started in marketing at uh, TBWA Chaite back in 96 after finishing business school at NYU. And I was incredibly lucky to start at a time when TBWA Chaite had both Absolute Vodka and Apple as clients. And because of the fortuitous timing, I had the opportunity to work on Apple computer when Apple came back to Shia Day when Steve Jobs came back to Apple and brought it back to Shia Day and started there as an account supervisor slash strategic planner. It's a strange hybrid job to help participate in, in figuring out the Think Different launch, which was you know obviously a pivotal moment for me in, in my career and 
learning a lot in terms of brand strategy and brand positioning and so on and so forth. I also had the good fortune of working on what was already a very successful, one of the most successful campaigns probably in history, which is the Absolute Vodka account, where I was the resident Swede, if you will, on the agency side. So to me, those were incredibly exciting times, and both of them taught me some very significant lessons in terms of the importance of a brand and the role that brand plays in the strategic growth of a business. That was obviously something that was core to Steve Jobs coming back to Apple, sorting out the, a new platform where Apple was no longer Apple Computer. It was now about digital tools for creative minds, which hmm. eventually resulted in the kind of earth-shattering developments like like the iPhone, the iPod, so on and so forth, changing the entire direction of the company. It launched, obviously, with a Think Different campaign, which was a way of trying to create reappraisal for what Apple stood for and ultimately paid off in the product and the product experience in branch, in retail. Got it. That's working on Apple when Steve Jobs came back. That's an amazing experience just in and of itself. Were there any major takeaways from that experience? You know, the team that you got to work with? I'm assuming you know, Lee Cloud was, was in full swing and full force at that moment in time as well. I don't think at the time I realized how lucky I was to be thrown into that situation. It was more trying to absorb as much as possible from the moment and roll with it and make sure that we could deliver on the relationship. So we did have a kickoff meeting with Steve Jobs that I will never forget. He was quite an intimidating <laughs> figure. But again, I mean, it, to me, it was one of the most fundamental learning episodes of my career in seeing how, again, the storytelling that comes with brand is key to a business strategy, essentially, right? Uh, determining what the strategy is has everything to do with brand. And then brand becomes the story that explains it to the consumer, becomes the consumer interface. That was something that was made abundantly clear in that process. And one other thing that I learned there was the reason I was brought on board was the Apple contract was a global contract, but TBWA Shite did not have a TBWA Latin America, for example. So although we were responsible for doing the advertising there, we didn't actually have a, a structure or infrastructure to support it. So part of my job was to then figure out, okay, how do we take this campaign and apply it to foreign markets like those in Latin America, which became part of my job also for Absolute Vodka later on in that basically I became the person who Absolute was so well established as a print campaign and probably was the most famous print campaign at the time, truly an iconic campaign. But it also was looking for opportunities in new markets and in new media. This is the, you know, the beginning of the dot-com bubble, if you will. So that became my role for Absolute Vodka as well. Interesting. Well, I think when we previously talked, you mentioned this notion of being a translator of sorts, especially on the absolute account yep. because of your, your heritage um, and being the Swedish by descent, correct? Correct. Yes. I'm a Swedish citizen as well as U.S. citizen. Okay. And so I don't hear an accent. Why is that? <laughs> your English is impeccable. It's a good question. I moved to the U.S. in high school and I had a strong accent then. Somewhere at some point during college, it, I think, just faded away. It may have something to do with being a parent. You know, I don't know. I, maybe I just sort of 
copy <laughs> the environment somehow or other uh, subconsciously. Right. And I don't know. I, I grew up in the s- South in the U.S. And most people say I don't have a Southern accent. But if I drink a little too much, it's definitely going to come back out. Or if I'm around other people. There you go. So maybe if we had more, if I was Swedish, your Swedish would come if out. If we had so. some absolute vodka and use some bourbon, maybe we could make this work. <laughs> there we go. I like that. New show episode coming soon. Um, well, you know, kind of getting back to translator component you talked about you know on apple actually helping them into other markets as well and i know it was a case on absolute is there anything you learned in that kind of unique if you will middle role of being a translator between cultures or between different constituents yeah i think so i mean i think i think when you have lived a life like i had i was born and raised in liberia in west africa i moved to sweden which is my heritage in basically junior high school then I moved to the U.S. and became an American. Then I worked in advertising eventually. And I worked with, in absolute case, a, a brand from Sweden, where in some sense I was you know, a cultural translator in that I understood not just what our clients were actually saying to each other in meetings, but I couldn't interpret really what they meant by it or what their actions or lack of actions may imply because I understood the culture. The way that translated... I mean, I think it comes from being sort of culturally curious, which probably has something to do with having lived in many places, right? In many different environments. And the way that that eventually translated into what happened in my career was when it came to this notion of new markets and new channels, I was very curious about the promises of the interactive worldwide web, all brand new, everything that everyone was talking about at the time. I was also culturally very curious about, well, Latin America, for example. And in the combination of helping try to build TBWA Latin America country by country in order to support both the Apple Think Different campaign and the Absolute Vodka campaign, I got to do a lot of cultural deep dives into those countries and learn very specifically how they differ from each other. It's sort of a a little bit of a truism, I think, in advertising that whenever you go to a new country, everyone will tell you that it's all different and nothing that you've done in the U.S. will really apply. You know, that's a truth with modification, but in order to test it, you actually have to go deep and try to figure out what is underlying here. What is universal in our brand proposition versus what is needs to be adapted or solved for in the local market? And that's a very intriguing kind of cultural interrogation that I really enjoyed. Right, right. No, it's a, to learn something that, I guess, earlier pivotal in your career, I think is a, a great opportunity too. Yeah. Something you can carry on to each of the role you, you were in after that, for sure. If we think about you know your career, and we're going to get to your real job now, I promise, in another question. But if we think about your career kind of leading up to one main financial, you know, has there been any main takeaways about the job as a, a marketer or a, you know, an advertiser, so to speak? Yeah, to me, I mean, I think, I think I'm very much shaped by those early experiences with Absolute and with Apple in that I really believe, and I think this is where I feel very strongly that the distractions of sort of the daily news cycle of whatever is the new shiny toy in marketing and advertising, whether it's AI or blockchain or virtual reality or programmatic, they tend to distract from the fundamental, which is if you don't have a story to tell, it doesn't really matter where you would tell it. You know, the, right. the, the, those items are channels or levers in the overall marketing mix. 
and they're important and they're exciting and they're interesting. They don't change the fundamental though. You need to have a brand, an articulated brand story that you can continue to evolve and extrapolate to those various channels. And that to me, I think is the most fundamental thing that seems to get lost in a lot of the sort of Sturm und Drang in the uh, marketing world. Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think we've got as a function, as a industry, maybe a little ADD or tension deficit disorder. <laughs> but let's talk about one main financial. Sure. Can you, you know, I guess first describe the company for those that are listening that may not be in a market because we do uh, have listeners outside the U.S. What one main financial is, and you know what you've learned so far, like when you joined and, and what you've been, what journey you've been on, I guess, so to speak. Absolutely. When I first got the opportunity to engage with One Main Financial, I will admit I had my hesitations because I did learn very quickly that it was about personal loans and it really targeted the subprime population. Having survived the uh, financial crisis of 2008 myself, that left me with some pause. However, what was really interesting, what compelled me eventually both from the perspective as a human being, as well as a marketer, was that what I learned is that the state of the American middle class is really quite bad. While we again tend to focus on certain news items, such as the Dow Jones or the GDP or unemployment, the reality is that the vast majority of the middle class basically lost and have never recovered a significant part of their earnings relative to their expenses since 2008. There have been all sorts of studies by the Federal Reserve showing that something like 60% of the American public would not have $1,000 in cash to access in an emergency. And mm. given everything else we know about what's going on in our country with the cost of healthcare and everything else, that could be potentially quite catastrophic. And since the financial crisis, the banks have actually unbanked those customers that they do not feel so good about, that, mm. which tends to be characterized as subprime, which, by the way, is a terrible pejorative to dismiss people as subprime or sub anything. Right. But the banks have basically unbanked something like 60 million people since the financial crisis. So where do these folks turn in when they're in, in need of a loan? They go through the path of turning to friends and family, they go to a bank, they go to credit unions, they go to a credit card, and along the way they get turned down. The options that remain to them are not the best. And One Main Financial is the largest consumer financial services company in the U.S. that you've never heard of because they've never really tried to build a brand before this. I think partly because of the category that they were in, which wasn't one that was highly respected. But in my view, what One Main Financial takes very seriously and takes great pride in is being the one responsible lender in this category. So you you can go to a payday lender or a title lender, and basically we're talking about usury rates there. What One Main Financial does is something very different. They will create an installment loan that's based on your income and your expenses to make sure that it's something that you can afford. To me, this felt like something that I felt very strongly about it. It felt like uh, someone who's doing the responsible thing that is actually severely needed in our country right now. And from a marketing perspective, what was exciting about it was the fact that no one's ever heard of the company because over since 1912, really the only way that they have reached out to customers is through direct mail. 
So no awareness building had been done. And there was an opportunity here to actually create a brand for a company whose retail footprint is almost the size of Target's. That seemed like an exciting proposition to me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know you mentioned before, I think that 1,700 branches, I think Target has something like 1,800 stores. Don't quote me on that, but that's crazy. (laughs) You're everywhere. It's kind of amazing, right? I mean, something close to 90% of Americans live within 25 miles of a one main financial branch. That's wild. That's wild. You know, I when we were gearing up for this interview, I had the same thoughts about the industry or the sector of the industry that you're in. But the more I've heard you talk about it, it seems like, you know, one, it, it's a dire need for people that need access to cash. And it seems like your one main financial is is taking the appropriate approach to it, right? Versus the payday loan folks that get such a bad rap in the industry. And I think that that's something really important, Alan. I mean, I am very passionate about marketing and advertising, but I also don't think I could be doing it for a company that I wouldn't feel passionate about. And I do feel that One Main Financial is actually doing a necessary and a responsible service to the customers out there. So I do feel passionate about you know, helping that customer and making sure that that customer understands that there is an option, a responsible option for them, and that they can turn to someplace that can help them un- explain what they're getting into, which is the whole promise behind Lending Done Human. Got it. So you just illuminated, I guess, the tagline, right? Lending Done Human. And you recently launched the company's first ever brand campaign. Was that part of your remit when you took the job? And how'd you approach that? So yes, that was part of the remit when I took the job. And the way we went about it was a lot of the same way I went about trying to understand, for example, how Apple think different should be different in Brazil from Colombia, or how Absolute Vodka's strategy in Mexico should differ from the U.S. Taking a deep dive into the consumer and the culture and trying to understand the dynamics in this space, what we've seen since... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The financial crisis is a significant growth in online lenders, the fintech companies as they're more commonly known as. That space has grown a lot. But when we did research with our customers and customers in our target group as well, what we understood there was that there's a lot of fear involved with this, which is not surprising. I mean, if you're if you're in dire straits and need access to credit and right. everyone's rejecting you, where do you turn to? And you want to turn to someone that you've heard of and that you're that you believe is reputable. Without any awareness out there, Basically, 
what ends up happening is when they stumble upon us or one of our direct mail pieces arrives in the mailbox, they may seize the opportunity, but they're not necessarily that excited about it or not necessarily that reassured because they haven't heard of us. So one thing we learned was that the awareness was important to the customers that they would have they would have heard of the company, that they would believe that it was reputable. The other thing that we learned in the research is that this is kind of a high-touch category, believe it or not. Consumers were expressing fear because of the concern of making any mistakes if they go online and, and book a loan, or if they go to someone who doesn't really particularly help them in terms of finding the right loan for their particular needs. So they really expressed a deep desire to have someone to help them, to speak to them so that they could ask questions and figure out what are how to understand the loan and the loan process itself. So it turned out that the major differentiator we had sort of built into the company, which is these 1,600, 1,700 branches, is actually a real asset with regards to what consumers were asking for, what they wanted. Interesting. You know, lending done human, I do really love that line, by the way. How did you, and you talked about it being a high-touch category, how did you work with, quote-unquote, the humans inside the company to help you launch this effort? Very closely, because one thing we discovered also in doing internal surveys is there's a there's a great pride in doing what we do. The team members at One Ming Financial feel very strongly about being sort of responsible members of the community. They have long-standing relationships with a lot of their customers. So they felt that the spotlight was essentially put on them in terms of recognizing what they are already trying to do in their communities, trying to help those who have been somewhat disenfranchised and providing the kind of human shoulder or ear, if you will, for customers who are looking for a solution. And we found that there's great pride in the feeling of being able to help. So the previous tagline, if you want to call it that, that the company had was lending made personal, which was trying to be a little bit of a pun on the notion of personal loans. But the problem with it was we found out, again, through research that consumers don't really know what a personal loan is. So right. the pun is kind of lost. And twisting it and turning it to lending done human actually captured both the way our team members feel about what they do provide to their communities, but also provides kind of a promise to consumers of what to expect when they come into the store. It's really, I mean, it's a interesting you know, with so many branches and so many people out, like you said, out in their personal communities, that they have that attachment to the communities and that the people that they're trying to serve. I can't help but think they probably had at times, right, similar connotations. You know, I believe I'm helping somebody, but our industry gets a bad rap. And maybe this also helps them bring out their humanness. I, I don't know, that sounds really odd to say out loud, but hopefully that makes sense. It does. And I, I think we've seen it very much internally. So we do have every now and then, and this probably isn't something I should broadcast because we don't want to advertise it, but we do have requests from branches for a particular customer who had a particular situation happen to them, you know, a particularly dire situation, and they want to figure out a way to help. Mm. And every now and then we do that simply because we think it's the right thing to do. And we actually videotape when the branch invites the customer in and, and mm. either provides something that will be helpful to them, like a wheelchair, let's say, right. or a check for whatever medical emergency happened or something along those lines. And we don't share it out externally. We only share it internally within our intranet. But it is the kind of thing that 
builds a lot of pride internally with our team members. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, as you think about pushing, you know, this campaign externally, you know, how are you getting it out into the world and how are you, you know, planning to, or are you reaching your target audiences? So yes, we are. We have started small. We've started in five markets with a fully integrated campaign, meaning led by TV, but also using drive time radio, digital advertising, social media, and billboards. And what we're seeing is the awareness spiked, but most importantly, the perception in those markets changed significantly. So now that there, there's a trust factor involved with one main financial, which is really, really encouraging. On top of which, of course, there are other KPIs such as direct traffic to the website and searches and so on and so forth that, that are spiking as well. But to me, what's, what's really rewarding is to see that the awareness has paid off in terms of shifting perceptions in those markets. That's awesome. Well, congrats. I mean, that's only five markets in and uh, good success so far. We're very excited. I mean, I can't wait to see where this goes. And it's one of those things, too. I think it's a little bit, to me, it's a little bit akin to the insurance category before, you know, before Geico started advertising. Mm. It's This is a category that really is kind of a, you know, it's a low interest category, let's be honest, right? No one is really out Googling for loans unless they need one, right? right. Also, it's kind of one of those infrequent and unpredictable needs. You don't know when you're going to need a loan. So the direct mail part of it, it's probably a, a critical piece from a business perspective, but it's a little bit of a crapshoot because you're trying to find the customer at the time that they need a loan. By doing this, we're shifting the dynamic the way the insurance industry has done it to an awareness one. So when you're in that situation, hopefully you'll think of one main financial first. That's awesome. Is there anything else you want to share about the, because uh, I think the, the campaign itself is story driven. Is that right? Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you could elaborate in terms of like the types of stories that you're telling through the campaign? So I think to me, again, the, this goes back to us, uh, the earlier conversation about what the fundamentals that I learned from Absolute and from Apple, that it really boils down to brand regardless, right? The brand is the heart of what it is, the story you're trying to tell. And marketing is ultimately storytelling, right? It's storytelling in multiple channels in multiple different ways, but you need to know what your story is before you can start telling it, regardless of whatever channel you have. And that's what we're trying to do, whether it be in social media, whether it be on TV or in radio, we're trying to find those sort of individual relatable stories that we can tell. Great, great. Well, Kim, it's a great campaign. I want to switch gears a little bit. And we've gotten to know you a little bit at the beginning because I thought it was great context in terms of how you built this campaign. But we always like to go a little deeper here on marketing today with the folks that come on the show. And, you know, I'd love to ask you this question that I ask everyone that comes on the show. Is there an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Yeah, I think that that the answer to that is is simply the life experience. And I'm sorry for not picking a very specific one, but I think the fact that I've grew up in West Africa as a Swede, then moved to Sweden, then moved to the US, it's kind of made me into a little bit of a cultural omnivore, always passionate for exploring and understanding and learning more. And that to me shaped also why I got into advertising. I think that that's, it's a space where you're inevitably searching for paths through culture to communicate a particular story. And that to me is, I think, what's so exciting and, and so intriguing to me. That's interesting. I mean, when you were growing up in West Africa, did you 
were you cognizant that you were of Swedish heritage or did you just think of yourselves as you know somebody from West Africa? It's a good question. You know, I think I was never really cognizant. I mean, I think I always knew I was a Swede in a Swedish family. Right. And since I didn't know any different, I just happened to be in Africa. It's strange to look at it that way, but there are a lot of people who always say that they always felt like an outsider. I don't think I ever felt really like an outsider. I think I always felt like I was just like a kid from outer space who landed in, in a particular <laughs> place or something like that. Right, you know? right, right. You're just different. From, it's just different, yeah. yeah. But probably still very acculturated to the, your surroundings because you didn't know anything else at that point. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah, I think that that's exactly what happened because I didn't know any different. I became acculturated to the whatever environment I was in. That's interesting. It's really interesting. Well, um, what fuels you? What drives you today? Passion for creativity. I mean, I majored in art history for a reason. I love the liberal arts and the humanities, and I particularly enjoy the various expressions of them creatively, right? Whether it be music or visual. And I think that the exciting thing about being in a space like marketing and advertising is you get to leverage that on behalf of the storytelling for whatever cause or brand that you're trying to tell the story for. That for me is like the constant in all this and and the, the reward also in all this. Got it. Well, most marketers tend to be students of the business, and you've illustrated that already in our conversation. But in that notion, are there brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think others should be taking notice of? I mean, there's so many great brands out there. And like many others, I will say that, you know, you learn about brands very early on an intuitive level. I think Sweden as a brand is a very interesting brand. People have very strong opinions or perceptions of what Sweden is when you say that you're Swedish. The first band that I fell in love with, my heroes when I was a kid, was Kiss. Kiss is a great brand. You learn a lot from looking at things like that. I think today, you know, one of the things that I'm really fascinated with is the discussion around corporate social responsibility that's been going on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And the debate whether it should be sort of an, an add-on, like a, a philanthropic part where a company gives money, or if it should be something that's integral to how the company does its business, I think is a really interesting one. For me, I've become very passionate about the environmental issues that we're confronted with today. So I very much enjoy seeing what companies like Salesforce and Unilever and For Ocean, if you know them, the, the startup that's trying to collect trash out of the ocean. I think that those are really, really interesting things. And I want to spend some time at some point figuring out how we can do that in a way that's more integrated as opposed to giving monies to another organization. That's great. That's great. Well, last question for you, and you have to get out your crystal ball. You know, What do you see as the future of marketing? I think that And at the risk of sounding like a fuddy-duddy or Luddite, (laughs) I think that all these tools that we talked about at the very beginning, the AI, virtual reality, blockchain, all these things are very exciting. And there's definitely going to be impact on that. It's going to change the consumer purchase funnel, the awareness building, so on and so forth. It definitely has an impact. I do think, though, it doesn't change the fundamental. You still need to know what your story is before you venture into them and figure out how you actually leverage them to tell your story. So as the more things change, the more they stay the same to some degree. What I do worry about is I think that when you look at AI, it's sort of on a path of enabling so much personalization that I think we're probably approaching kind of a dangerous crossroads where 
all this personalization leads to individual silos, which I think we see reflected in culture right now as well. And I think that that down the path, that and the combination of all the data that companies are collecting can come to a kind of a critical crossroads in the not too distant future. Right. No, it, that's not to get too morbid or creepy, but that, I mean, it, this notion of alternative realities and that people at the end of the day are still having to interact in the real world. But if they're completely immersed in their own alternative realities, you know, their beliefs, stances, et cetera, it's troubling to many different And they're ways. reinforced in their individual echo chambers. Exactly. And that's, that's what's really scary. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, in the past, there could be kooks out there, of course, but now with these types of individualized and personalized sort of spaces, it's, it's a, a little bit of a dangerous path, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree 100%. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been fascinating. I've really enjoyed it, Alan. Thank you for having me. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, social media support by Megan Woods, art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. and You can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.